Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Today, I've got a great guest on deck. Complicated Kai, video editor extraordinaire, and big-time Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Lakers fan. We're going to get into some NFC East talk, some NBA season and offseason talk. Really excited for it. Make sure y'all check him out on Instagram at Complicated Kai. That's complicated with the K, K Y on Instagram. Music videos, promos, he's got it all. You guys are going to love this episode. All right, what's up, Complicated Kai? I appreciate you joining me today. How are you? Man, I am doing really good, really good. Ready to dive into some of these topics. Appreciate you bringing me on, bro. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yesterday was an awesome slate of games. And the one that seemed to stick out above the rest in terms of at least social media buzz was the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs. So much hype around those teams, those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. And Mahomes and Tyreek Hill absolutely showed out. Tyreek Hill over 200 yards in the first quarter. But it seemed to be the bigger takeaway was, are the Bucks done? Is it time to hit the panic button in Tampa Bay? What do you think? Okay, first off, with all due respect, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give Andy Reid his just desserts. Now, if you know me here at Complicated Kai, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan. So I am familiar with a lot of the divisional opponents as far as coaching staff and former players. So Andy Reid has always been one hell of a coach. I've always kind of doubted him as far as defensively, where I thought maybe he couldn't get over the hump. But you give him somebody like Pat Mahomes and Kelsey and and that offense, it's just a match made in heaven. Really quick, I have Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team. Quick side note, a lot of people were skeptical on how I was drafting this season because I picked up a lot of wide receivers. In one of my leagues, I made sure to at least grab Miles Sanders. So I'm I'm really receiver heavy. They're carrying me. And when a guy like Tyreek Hill is had 200 yards in the first quarter, you already know you're going to win that week, man. You're going to win that week. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I did the same thing in the For the Win League, and I went wide receiver heavy. I have Tyreek Hill in my back. The one back I got is Miles Sanders. Really? So obviously, yeah, I, I kicked the crap out of Joe Morley yesterday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shout out Joe Morley. Yeah, shout out Joe. <laughs> Great minds think alike. So uh, to answer your question, just had to get that out there. You were absolutely – insane i'm gonna say you're literally football crazy if you think it's time to hit the panic button in tampa bay why will we hit the panic button i completely agree with you you look at their next four games they're set up to go four no they're gonna be in the playoffs and this was a team at least in my mind that was always set up to be hitting their peak late in the season Plus, my thoughts were like what did people really expect in this game i know it was ugly early but they lost by three to the chiefs Is that crazy? That's what I was just thinking. The main glaring one was the Saints. Obviously, the Saints lost. But every other game that they lost was by three, I believe. And that just lets me know that you can't put that on Tom. That's coaching staff, defense, and Tom, and the rest of the players. But again, I'm looking at not necessarily the coaching staff, but more so the game plan. There's no way a receiver should have 200 yards in the first quarter. And I think Tom Brady is also adjusting to 
having a coach with a different mindset. Like Belichick would have ended that. That has nothing to do with Tom Brady's side of the ball. That's all the defense. And if you have a guy like Tyreek Hill playing, he was in a slot, I believe. He wasn't even on the far side. He was in a slot position. Automatically watch him. If he's in motion, you watch Tariq Hill. And you you have to pick your poison. Okay, we're going to decide this game we're going to take out Kelsey. But if Tariq Hill has 100 and something yards and three catches, okay, we're going to stop with Kelsey and go to Hill. You got to play like the NBA. You stop whoever's hot, and that's just it. You let everybody else beat you. That's a great point because that's exactly what Bill Belichick does. He will absolutely go all out, take away the number one option, and live with everything else. I know the Chiefs are a little bit harder to do that with because they also have a great tight end in Travis Kelsey. But you've got to take away Tyreek Hill. He can't be the one to beat you. Let Demarcus Robinson, let all those guys eat and see if they can beat you. But letting Tyreek go for 200 in the first quarter is just way too easy. So I'm exactly there with you. I don't think the coaches deserve all the blame in the world. I mean, that secondary isn't great. And I don't know how much coaching can make them better, but I think you hit it on a great just schematical point there. The other thing that I would put on the coaching staff, because it lies with them first and then goes to your quarterback, but is the team culture. They're still sloppy at times. And then they bail on the running game, in my opinion, too early. When you look at that embarrassing Saints loss, only five rushing attempts for eight yards, the lowest amount in NFL history. And I think that has to fall on the coaching staff as well. And don't get me wrong, Tom Brady is not blameless. But I think people have been just waiting on this moment. And they didn't think that they were going to have to wait until age 43. But they've been waiting on this to be like, see, we told you he's not that good. And I think they're kind of not seeing the big picture, that he's on another winning team that's going to go to the playoffs. At age 43, he has 28 touchdown passes. Like, I'm sorry, guys, now's not the time, and I don't know that it will ever be the time to point at Tom Brady and be like, see, I told you he's not that good. And then who's the definitive team that's coming out of the NFC? In my mind, it's way up for grabs. I don't – feel strongly about one team I mean I like Seattle just because their defense seems to be turning around a little bit I love Pete Carroll I'm a little biased there USC guy and I love Russell Wilson in Green Bay I always like Aaron Rodgers but that team leaves something to be desired they still just seem like they don't quite have it all put together and they seem to lose second half leads like they did against the Colts and then the Saints they're turning around now but do we really think Taysom Hill's going to take a team to the Super Bowl? I mean, I don't want to count the guy out, but I just think it's way too up for grabs to count the Bucks out, especially when it comes to playoff times. We know how Brady rolls. I agree. I wanted to go on that topic of the running game is what I'm noticing. Now you have Leonard. Is he okay? <laughs> Leonard Fournette, he's, he's still healthy. Everything's good with him? Yeah, he just stinks. <laughs> Sucks, okay. That's at least my opinion. <laughs> I think he stinks because of the position he's being put in. Now, he shouldn't be a lead back. He came. He shouldn't have came in and taken Ronald Jones' carries as far as the majority of them. You use him on third downs, you use him on goal lines, and you treat him like a third down back. I just think that they're not using them correctly. And like you said, they're bailing on the run game. I think, though, the reason why they bail on the run game is because – Bruce Arians may be used to players with a gun arm that may be able to get them out of a situation, whether it be through an interception or through a touchdown. Either way, we're going to keep throwing. 
I think he may be a little bit weary off of Tom Brady's arm strength to get him out of a situation if you continuously have to run the ball and the run game isn't working. Now, if you play someone like the Chiefs and you're trying to establish the run game and it's not working and the Chiefs are scoring points, you're going to have to throw the ball downfield. Do you trust your quarterback to do that? I played football. That's the number one thing on offense. It's like universal. You establish the run. Yeah, without a doubt, that's kind of your foundation, something that you can go back to. It provides that rock for the offense that then opens everything else up. I think he had a good point. Gameplay last night kind of dictated that they do leave the run game a little bit when you go down 17 so quick. Well, yeah, but, right. <laughs> I mean, we all know Bruce Arians is not afraid to take some deep shots, and he's not afraid of an interception. They put up a graphic last night, and all the quarterbacks – that had Bruce Arians as their offensive coordinator head coach for their first season through at least 18 interceptions. And that's the great Andrew Luck, who I think is an, a legend. Sad his career got cut short. But he had the fewest amount with 18. The average is like 24 interceptions. I do think that's part of the reason that Brady's likely to throw the most interceptions in his career this season. But they definitely have to get on the same page. Bruce Arians gets a lot of love. And I would include myself in it because he's a fun guy. Win or lose, you booze. Like, he's a fun guy, and I think that's why people love him. But at some point, I know Brady's 43, but still, at some point, it seems like you have to move off of getting your quarterback to throw 20 interceptions every season. Like, it just seems like eventually you have to address that. But a whole division that needs to be addressed look themselves in the mirror and hopefully come out on the other side better is the NFC or as a lot of people are calling least because you have the division leaders with four wins and the giants who have the tiebreaker over the Washington football team. We'll see what the Eagles can do tonight. Again, a tough test against Seattle. If they win, they would take back the lead in that division. And then your Cowboys who started to pick up some steam after taking down the Vikings that, Lost embarrassingly on on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, they got smacked. What are your overall thoughts in the NFC least? The Washington football team has the potential to be uh, good on the defensive side of the football. I do cross uh, sports, so NBA, oh, God, the three. If you're not shooting the three, you're going to lose. I don't believe it. Football, oh, offense, we need to throw the ball 50 times. Nope, because when it comes down to it in each sport, In the playoffs, the game slows down and it goes right back down to what it's been for however many years the NFL and the NBA has been established. In the NBA, you give it to the post, you slow the game down, you try to attack and transition, but as soon as it it, it gets late, you slow it down. Football is the same thing. You better run the ball. It's a lot of these places it gets cold. Now, Giants have won three straight games, right? I've never trusted their quarterback. Any quarterback that fumbles that many times, you can never trust them, ever. I just don't think he'll get better. I think the Giants don't have a real shot to have a future with the Cowboys virtually a couple defensive pieces away and their quarterback being healthy. The Eagles, they just need to stay healthy and possibly they have their uh, successor in Hurts. Yeah, so the Eagles have Carson Wentz on what now looks like a brutal contract that they can't move. 
So a lot of people are questioning whether or not we might see Jalen Hurts in full-time capacity if things continue to go wrong tonight against Carson Wentz. It's definitely going to be interesting. I picked the Eagles to win this division in the preseason just because of my belief in Carson Wentz, which makes me look like a fool now. But I will say, and I will die on this hill, he was a good quarterback for three years straight. This year, I cannot defend him. The previous three years, he was good. Another good quarterback in this division who started off hot was Dak Prescott. That hits home for you being a Cowboys fan. I understand Cowboys fan might be already chalking this up as a lost season. And for some good measure, you lose your quarterback. Zeke seems to not be able to hold on to the ball anymore. And like you mentioned, their defense is just a couple pieces away. I question their defensive coordinator. But what do you think the future looks like for the Dallas Cowboys and specifically Dak Prescott? I mean, the future's bright still. You got Leighton Vander Esch, who's coming off of neck injuries, back-to-back seasons, it seems like. But he shows flashes. I don't I don't give up on my boy Vander Esch. Our defense, I mean, we have digs. I mean, that we have potential on our defense. Alden Smith, my problem with the Cowboys is you paid them too early. You paid them too early, bro. And it sucks how business goes because you had to pay Tank Lawrence, man. But what happened? Did he get comfortable? Bro, I remember he was so ill, man. Like, okay, let me break it down real quick. Zeke Elliott, he's a safe pick fantasy-wise because they're going to feed him the ball. We all know that he's going to get fed. Even if he's having bad games, the game plan is to give Zeke as many touches as possible if, if you can, obviously, if you're not falling behind. Zeke hasn't been running like his rookie season, bro. Look at his rookie season. He looked like an animal when he would run. Look at that Pittsburgh game, his burst. When he sees the hole, he hit it. I know we had Frederick out. He retired. I know we haven't had our Smith. And then we had, we lost our right guard a couple uh, for games. I understand that. But like I tell people, Zeke showed me something his rookie season. He's never shown me the Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, 200-yard game. You're not stopping me, period. Sorry, I'm Zeke. It's not happening. No, he hasn't shown me that yet. So, to me, I think they got paid kind of a lot and, and very quick. I don't know why we paid Zeke. I don't even know if he was off his contract. No, you bring up some great points because the Cowboys have royally messed up their contract situations in multiple facets. So, first... Let's talk about Jalen Smith, because you brought him up. They paid him too early. I know he was good, but he's a guy with a major injury history that you pay early at an inside linebacker position. Weird. Now, why did they do it? It at least was presented as a way to flex on Zeke and get him back in camp. Then you don't even hold strong to that, and you pay a running back with two years left on his contract, and extend him six years, 90 million, biggest running back contract in history, that now he can't even hold on to the ball. You're right. He doesn't seem to show that same passion anymore, and he's probably running scared like he's going to lose the ball because some of these fumbles, nobody even touches him. That ball just squirts loose. And then Dak Prescott, a lot of people – are giving the Cowboys flack for handling that contract. And I get it. I think that's the reason that they held off on paying Dak is because they paid all these other guys early. And we're like, well, we don't want to give him the Patrick Mahomes contract when we still aren't sure. And now they might be 
reaping what they sow there. I mean, what do you think about the Dak contract situation? It was just backwards. You should have just paid Dak. From the get-go, what has Zeke shown us? That he has flashes of being literally he – could, he could potentially be in the top five running back if he was Zeke, like the real Zeke. But what has he shown us? He's shown us that he's immature, but he's inconsistent. He's been suspended. He's missed. He has not been a leader. What has Amari Cooper shown you? He's shown you flashes. He was what we needed. We had no receiver. Remember, Des Bryant, we lost Cole Beasley. You have to remember these days. Old man Witten. Now we get Amari Cooper, 200-yard games, da-da-da-da-da. I don't want to believe people. Oh, he's going to fall off. Nah, man. He fell off, bro. So you pay our linemen. That's the one thing they did right is pay our linemen, lock him in. Now the problem is looking with Tyron Smith. Bro, are we going to have to draft a left tackle? Because you're hurt a lot, man, and you're really good. We need you. Like, I'm going to say Leighton Vander Esch is the only one on the other side of the ball who's besides Diggs, but we need more time with him. Leighton Vander Esch, staple. Do not get rid of him. Give him time to heal. He's been hurt, neck injury. Dak Prescott, what has he shown you, bro? Leadership, improvement every year, composure. He plays basically for the Lakers of the NFL and the Cowboys and the biggest franchise, and he handles it well. Remember, it was, oh, he doesn't have the arm strength. Oh, he's not accurate. Next couple years, arm strength, accuracy. Now he's accurate. Bro, if, if Dak Prescott was playing this full season, he'd be the number one quarterback, bro. And on a losing team, he'd be the number one. Look at his stats. I think that's a little bold. Look at his stats. I agree with you in terms of yards. I think he would likely be the yards leader. But I'm with you. They paid the guys not only at positions that are valued less early, but they paid Zeke, who's immature early, and who is kind of the opposite of Dak in every way. Exactly. And then you let your quarterback position go up in flux. You brought up some good points about their staples, and I think it's partly just bad luck. Like Van Der Esch is a staple on that defense. Injuries. Tyron yes. Smith, a beast for a decade, oh, yeah. but it's just injuries. Your center retires. I think part of it's bad luck, but definitely part of it they've handled things wrong. Dak, I think he's likely to get franchised again. Do you think that's the right move? for the Cowboys franchise him again because you don't want to pay him huge off that injury or do you feel comfortable doing that? Uh, No, if I am Jerry Jones, I am hitting that franchise button. That's just business, man. Like we're talking, if we're talking, how do I feel about Dak Prescott in this situation, bro, I I give him the same contract as Mahomes, not necessarily, but I would give him a, a very close contract. He didn't win a Super Bowl, but this is, he's a business. He, <laughs> this is the most, Richest franchise, the Dallas Cowboys. It's for a reason. You have Jerry Jones. This is a business decision. You hit that franchise tag and give him the opportunity to, you know, show people in case he may have to go elsewhere. I wouldn't suggest we trade him or let him go or anything, but it's business. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think a lot of times fans get that mixed up. And Dak deserved this. Well, in business – you don't deserve anything, right? Like, you get what the market dictates, and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it, it really sucked him breaking his ankle like that. But oh, basically, the day after, it's like, all right, well, this is business. I'm sorry that happened, but you're getting the franchise tag. I think you're exactly right. It's going to be so interesting to see what kind of method they go if they end up 
trying to go one more year, franchise tag. Hopefully some of those key pieces can stay healthy, make a playoff run. Or like you kind of hinted at, hitting the reboot button, letting Dak move on, and just going full rebuild. Potentially if they keep losing, which it looks like they will, they'll be in a position to get one of those top quarterbacks. I think they can maybe hope for fields. So that always brings in an interesting conversation, even if it's just to trade out and get a bunch of picks. Is that crazy? If I told you the Dallas Cowboys are drafting fourth and – Somehow Justin Fields is still available. Do you go ahead and pull the trigger on that? Nope, because if if I'm going to draft a quarterback, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to be smarter. We obviously need a defensive playmaker. We have not had a defensive playmaker on our team since DeMarcus Ware, Roy Williams, like Greg Ellis, like players where it was like, okay, that win even. Like he made plays, but we haven't had a playmaker on our defense I think Wilcox was okay at the safety position a couple years back. Well, that's kind of the point, right? Like, okay. What I would do if I'm going to draft a quarterback, which means I'm going to be moving on from Dak, I would trade him. I was mentioning this to Joe Morley. I don't know how realistic it sounds, but like a a New York Jet swap where we maybe take on a Sam Darnold, they get a Dak Prescott. He has an opportunity to be the guy who he could be from USC, you know, and then you get a Jets guy who in Dak, you know, the leadership, he may be a, a foundational piece for them, some structure in that organization. A side quick note, I, I saw this that clip of Adam Gase. I don't know if that was real or not, man. They were asking yeah. him some questions. It always <laughs> seems that way with Adam Gase. Like, is that even real? Did they dub over this? Because that's not an answer right. to that question. Like, he just, he's going on this rant about how it's not that hard to call plays, yeah. how the guy who he blames for calling the plays, you know, the reporters question him. They're like, how is he calling the plays? He doesn't do anything. Like, he's not speaking to anybody. He's not doing anything. And he's like, oh, well, he just communicates it to me. It's not that hard. We know what right. plays we're going to run. It's not that hard. It's like, well, Adam Gase, Again, with all due respect, it is that hard for you. <laughs> you don't, like, you don't score any points, and then his eyes are going crazy. Right. I don't even know what to say about Adam Gase at this point. But what's your thoughts on that? Like, I, I don't, I'm not saying that's feasible, but what, on something like where we trade Dak, well, we'll both benefit. The team we're giving Dak to, and we can get somebody, and then we draft the defensive player at the fourth position. See, the Jets, I don't think it's realistic just because the owner is so likely to push – for Trevor Lawrence, no matter what, they're probably going to bring in a coach that's already on playing with that 100%. I do think that is a likely scenario, somewhat likely, I'll say, that they do trade Dak to a team. I would think like the Bears, but you wouldn't get a quarterback in return, (laughs) right? You know what I'm saying? Like you wouldn't get a quarterback in return, but the Bears are a team that I could see making that move. Outside of that, it gets pretty tough. You know what might be cool? Another one just to throw out. What about the Jacksonville Jaguars? What, what do you think about Minshew mania bringing it to Dallas? The Minshew mustache for Dak Prescott. Nah. <laughs> Hell nah, bro. I need <laughs> I keep Dak. In reality, I want to keep Dak, but I'm, I'm very wary of that injury, bro. Like, that was one of the things with Dak. He was a durable quarterback. He had a horrific, horrible injury. I posted a video, but you couldn't see. Apparently, his bone was coming out of his skin. That's gruesome. And I know we talk about the seeing ghosts, but you're going to be feeling them, man. You're going to feel 
And then you got to worry about how you go down now. I don't know how if Dak's going to be the same exact quarterback. No doubt. And usually, even if those quarterbacks do return to regular form, it takes an extra year. Like we look right. at Derek Carr, who was playing on an MVP-esque level a couple of years back, broke his ankle. He was not the same player for a year or two after that. Marcus Mariota is not on that same level. But right. after he broke his ankle, his play significantly dropped off. And again, those guys like Dak have mobility. They aren't completely known for running the football like a Kyler or a Lamar. But that's right. definitely a big piece of his game, especially if this offensive line is going to continue to deteriorate. So, I mean, I think everything is up in the air in Dallas. I could see them go any direction possible. I hope that Dak comes back, is healthy, kills it on that franchise tag. But major question marks coming off of that injury, a lot of pressure put on himself. And if that offensive line doesn't pick it up, then he's going to be taking more hits and he's going to continue to struggle. So it'll be really interesting. I personally like, I mean, I'm a Sam Darnold fan, which is getting tough nowadays, but I would love to see Sam Darnold get one more opportunity on just any other team than the Jets. I'm still pretty convinced that he would do all right. I think at least Dallas has a lot of weapons for him to work with, and hopefully that line can get pieced together. We can hope for the best. Unfortunately, you know, I kind of agree with you or do you agree with me that in terms of Dallas, it's on to next year? Oh, yeah, it's over, bro. But it's over and how I feel now. On paper, it's really not over. Because think no. about it, bro. They still have Carson Wentz in Philly. You have Alex Smith in Washington and Danny Dimes. Which quarterback out of those three are you taking to get you to the playoffs? Carson Wentz. I would, too. And I feel like people no. are going to call us crazy, but I just – I feel like I have to revert back to what I've seen for the larger sample size. Exactly. Danny Dimes is, is not going to do it without Saquon, especially. Alex Smith, I mean. I hate like, watching him play, man. Like, I love the story. Uh, I can't stand watching him play. I just feel like his leg is going to snap like a toothpick every play, and it's just it's hard to watch. So you got to go with the guy who is, uh, what is he, number two pick? I mean, his team is 3-6-1. and one. They barely scored more than the Giants, bro. The Giants have scored 214 points. They're at 220. Cowboys still scored more than the Eagles. Oh, my gosh. See, the Cowboys, I would, I would feel better about it, and I was kind of leaning towards the Dallas Cowboys actually taking this division before Thursday. It was like, all right, they have Washington. I know they got a stout defense, but, you know, the Cowboys coming off a big win at home, Thanksgiving, that's their kind of thing. And then they just got demolished. And it's like, wow, why did I ever believe in them? If our defense is bad, when it comes time for Thanksgiving, we're getting stomped on Thanksgiving. It happens all the time. If we're good, we'll win. Washington, we can't stop the run. Like, you got the guy waving at you. That's embarrassing, bro. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> and I'm sure <laughs> they get picked apart in the film room. And that kind of oh, causes yeah. it right there. And it's oh, like, yeah. he's waving at you. Something's got to change. And personally, I think it's the defensive coordinator. Like, I know the personnel needs to change, but Mike Nolan hasn't been good for a long time. So I think that's the first move that Dallas needs to make. I know some people are kind of hinting that possibly Mike McCarthy will be fired after this year. I can't say I really disagree with it no, in I'm principle, but in, in terms of realistically, 
that's hard to see them bringing him in and immediately firing him off of one year after you had to let Jason Garrett go. Just I don't, I don't see that as very likely, especially with all they have in flux in terms of their roster and the quarterback position, right? That just seems well, a little bit crazy to me. That's, that's not how Jerry Jones operates, if you'll notice. He's, I don't know the last time he's brought a one-year coach in. Jerry Jones is going to give the coach opportunity. If he hired you, he likes you. He's not going to fire Mike McCarthy. When Dak Prescott broke his leg, that's his get-out-of-jail-free card automatically. Quarterback broke his leg, bro, and our defense has been trash. My guys need to be motivated to be great and not just be a Dallas Cowboy. You got to want to be a, a champion. So is Dane Quinn on your wish list then? What? <laughs> hey, he's a defensive coordinator that won a championship. He's got that pedigree. You don't believe Dan Quinn can turn it back around? You give him the keys to just the defense, not the rest of the team. That's too crazy for you? Maybe. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, just, at, this, at this point? I don't think he can get worse than Mike Nolan. Again, I know I feel stronger than most people about that, but that's where I stand. I think the Cowboys do have a bright future but they've got some contract issues. And then, like you mentioned, some defensive issues, not to mention some quarterback issues. I mean, and it, it feels weird saying, like, oh, they have all those issues, but I still feel like they have a bright future. Maybe that's just the star kind of tricking us, like I feel like they do all the time, right? <laughs> right. But, but we're both Lakers fans, so we've got to get some NBA talk in. It's crazy to say, but the NBA season is just three weeks away. I feel like we didn't get enough time to gloat as Lakers fans that we just won the championship. And it feels weird because it was in the bubble. There was no fans there. But the Lakers are champs again, 17 total, tied for most all time. And I personally think that we're taking number 18 this year, going back to back. Am I going too crazy? No, absolutely not. People were going too crazy when they crowned Kawhi. People were going too crazy when they think that Giannis is this – generational player i'll get into that i don't think he is people are just crazy so at the end of the day when you have lebron james on your team and he's healthy 95 percent chance you're probably going to the finals so if we're if the lakers are gonna make the finals with morris twin harrow we picked up schroeder wesley matthews mark gasol still kept our onto the uh i believe I mean, I know AD ain't going nowhere. Like, people think, oh, Chicago, bro. Why would you – I'm not even going to get into that. We don't you need are to not crazy. that. Yeah, no, no way. No you way. are not crazy, bro. And people, people need to be put on notice, bro, because there's a lot of Laker fans. And I know this happens in every sport, but right now it makes me sick because I remember just seeing so many Golden State – Warriors jerseys everywhere. Grandma's had them on. Like, bro, I'm just like, wow, y'all all all really from the Bay? Or y'all really like Steph? I guess. And we was quiet for a little bit as Laker fans for our six years. We were quiet, bro. We had to. People want to say, why? Oh, why aren't y'all talking now? We suck. What is there to say? We're trash right now, bro. But give us some time and we'll be right back on that throne where we belong. And we'll be looking at the rest of the NBA like, man, get like us. It wasn't as crazy seeing all the Golden State love to me. Like, I get it. Curry's fun. They're young. I get it. And especially the crazy run that they went on. You're going to pick up fans. You're going to fill up that bandwagon. The crazy part to me 
was the Clippers being crowned. You have to be so out of touch with not only the NBA, but LA sports to really be thinking that the Clippers were going to take over. They were going to be LA's team and go ahead and just crown them in the preseason. It's the Clippers. They don't ever win. They don't ever get out of the second round. Like that was crazy to me. And then the only other thing that I feel like, I don't want to say tainted this championship, but made it different. We are talking about fans switching side and things is it was a little weird winning a championship with LeBron because you have all these LeBron fans that are saying we like the Lakers. That was just kind of a weird thing to me. Did that bother you at all? Or was it just like, welcome Lakers champions. Let's go. It didn't bother me because he's LeBron. So it it would happen with anybody. So like, I kind of understood that like you would bring on his fans. I think what bothered me was kind of like what you said. They they put the the Clippers on the pedestal with Kawhi unfairly. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the same, I'm gonna just say Skip Bayless. Like, I love he's he's my favorite analyst, Skip Bayless. I love him, dude. I watch him and Shannon all day, man. But Skip is an entertainer. I love the dude. He'll mention you know 2000. They'll mention 2011. Like, if you know basketball, you will understand. There was nobody that was stopping Dirk Nowitzki that year, bro. He literally has the number two unstoppable move in the NBA. You are not blocking his turnaround fadeaway, Dirks. So you have, you're playing him. You got an all-time Spurs team you're playing against. Then you're playing uh, the, the Warriors. That was what we hold on LeBron. Oh, he lost. Da, 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 da. Okay, so Kawhi goes to Toronto. KD gets injured. I just strongly believe that if it was a head-up, match they're not beating the Warriors like no they're KD. getting crushed yeah if, if they have KD and Clay they're getting crushed I think exactly. it, just if Clay stayed healthy I think the Warriors were going to win that series now maybe that's giving a little too much benefit of the doubt to them but there's no question I hope in anybody's mind that if you have the full strength Warriors with KD that's a sweep if, and at best you could say five games, okay, Kawhi, you'll have one game. That's a feisty team. But anything more than that is just crazy to me. I agree with you. I like Skip more than most people. I think people forget a little bit that he's an entertainer, right? Yeah. Just like Steve <laughs> Bay. Like, they're entertainers. Exactly. I mean, it is a little annoying. He gives LeBron zero <laughs> credit, like yeah. absolutely yeah. zero. But, you know, moving to this season, like I feel even better about the Lakers. I think the Lakers are the only contender that definitively got better. There's other teams, but I just don't think they factor in. Some people call me an annoying NBA fan. Like, I only believe there's, like, four or five teams that can win the championship. I don't buy that there's, like, 12 contenders. So, to me, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Warriors, those were the top four teams. I think the Lakers are the only one that got better. The other factors, the Nets, obviously, right? but we didn't get to see them last year. So do you think the Nets basically had the best offseason out of anybody if you factor in 2019's moves? Yeah, absolutely. When you get KD, I don't care what nobody says. Like, I'd pick him up off of an Achilles. I'd pay him top dollars. I'm doing it. Because if, if the chance – I'm taking the chance that he'll be KD on my team and probably lead me somewhere. My biggest issue with that team is actually Irving you have to look at the players before and after, especially when they play with LeBron. 
what happened before LeBron and what happened after LeBron, the same thing happened. Loser. Like you literally lose. Like to me, he's a Iverson. He's very selfish comes off as he maybe wants to make players better, but in reality it's just when he cannot find his shot or they're playing really good defense on him. I don't like Kyrie as a player. I wouldn't pick him up. I'd pick like Damian Lillard. Honestly, I'd pick up, you know, like, I wouldn't say like a Terry Rozier or anything, but like I'd pick up a lot of other players prior to Kyrie Irving. It's not my guy. And I think that that move actually hurt them. And we just haven't seen it yet. But when you got Steve Nash as your coach, Dan Tony, I believe, as your assistant, KD's coming off injury. And then what do you think Kyrie Irving's growth? Like, there isn't any. It'll be really interesting to see. And Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is one of the most difficult players to analyze because without a doubt, he is so talented and can give you sparks that are just unreal. That playoff run with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving was putting up all-time performances. But it definitely goes to show when he is the lead guy, his play deteriorates in the biggest moments, but mainly to me it's mental. Like, he just doesn't seem to relate to his teammates, doesn't seem to communicate well. I do think there's hope that he'll have KD there, and maybe he can get back to being that number two. We can see him flourish a a little bit, but I definitely think that's a valid question mark, as well as first-time coach, even though I love Steve Nash. I mean, I love their coaching staff, just like you mentioned. They've got a star-studded coaching staff. To me, they also have questions in – Dinwiddie and Levert, I have a hard time believing that those guys are going to really just accept fading into the background. Those are guys that go out seeking their shot. And they really flourished when Kyrie went down, when KD, you know, wasn't around. So I have a hard time believing that there's going to be a lot of kumbaya in that locker room. I think personally, there's going to be a trade coming in Brooklyn. I don't know about James Harden. But I think at least Dinwiddie or Levert will be out of there by the trade deadline. What do you think? Uh, Then they're out of contention if they do that to me. You don't think they could bring in a a guy that's off ball, a shooter? Who? Harden? I mean, Harden would obviously be great. I just can't. Why? 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 Why Why would that be great? Okay. That would be awful, bro. Uh, Hold on. Because here's the reason. I get your point because you're going to say that's three kind of in a way, head cases on one team, three guys who straight dribble the ball. I get that. But over the course of NBA history, all that matters is your top two, three guys. At the end of the day, for whoever's holding the trophy, I know that's simplified, and you've got to get some other things to work. Don't get me wrong. But if we look at it simplified, like if you have those top guys, I'm not saying a championship's a lock, but that's an Eastern Conference Finals lock no matter what. Because even with an injury-prone Kyrie, or even with, let's say, we're not getting even 90% of KD, James Harden is good enough with those guys around him to get you to 50, 52 wins. I disagree only because I think that is only correct if KD is the underlying player. It can't be Irving and Harden. No, you're not winning a championship. I'm sorry. Maybe Irving and and KD maybe Harden and KD but in my opinion Irving KD Harden too much it's not necessarily even that they dribble a lot 
who's the leader? Nobody. And that and that's where I'll back you like a hundred percent. That team would be wild. Having three guys that are known for being a diva. Except I mean, harder. Yeah. But not even just being a diva, like not knowing how to communicate for weird body language things. Like you said, zero leadership, but talk like they want to be one. Right? right. Like that's almost worse. Than, right. Right. Yeah. Like that's almost worse than just a Kawhi that's just like, right. he doesn't say anything. It's like, no, I want to be the leader. And then you just fade and you right. disappear or you start throwing people under the bus. I think that's right. Worse. I mean, again, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Steve Nash. A lot was made about his hiring. First time head coach with no real assistant coaching experience. He's going to have his hands full. That's for sure. I thought it was terrible. Talent to do it. You thought it was terrible? Uh, well, I wouldn't say terrible, but it was not a good hire given the things you just said. I think you bring him in as an assistant. If anything, you just swap the roles, bring in uh, D'Antoni as the guy, and then do what the Clippers just did. You bring in the guy, but then you bring in, the, you know, you have Ty Lue, who you know you really want. So you, you give him some time. Bring in D'Antoni, make them a head coach, then you put Nash behind, then you fire D'Antoni when he sucks again. And that way you have Nash then had a year to be a professional coach in the, in, in the league as opposed to just he's Steve Nash. We want him as our guy. No, we've def- man. Like, we've definitely seen players get the benefit of the doubt quite a bit, and we definitely saw that with Nash, obviously. There was a lot made of, I don't think it was ever verified, but that Kyrie and KD pretty much handpicked. Steve Nash. Do you think there's any credence to that? Actually, possibly. I mean, if Steve Nash indicated that he was trying to be a coach and, but again, I'm going to make the same point that I did on the Rum Boys. Shout out the Rum Boys Network. You have two superstars joining your team. You want to make them happy. So if they picked him, I think they pick him because of the leadership. I think that there is no leadership in Nash yet. You can't say, we don't know how he he was a leader through his play but talent talent can be the leader not necessarily as the coach you bring in nash he's not a guy like a ty Lue. he's not a guy like you know tom thibodeau that's gonna tell you hey irving pass the ball i mean maybe nash will say pass the ball i mean he's nash but you know what i mean like i don't know if that's like me picking my parents after i've already had my mom it's like okay let me pick this one now because i know i don't like, no, I need this. <laughs> this is what I, I may not like it, but this is what I need here. So I don't think that that's, that was a good decision. No, that's a great analogy. And I would say it's like a teenager then getting to pick new parents. And I'm yeah. not saying like, that's exactly how this is going to go down, but a teenager, right. right. They're upset with their parents because they couldn't go out. Who are they going to pick as their parent? The one who's going to let them do whatever. Exactly. Right? The one with the free reign. And I think it brought up a good point because, yeah, like Thibodeau, maybe Ty Lue will be hard on those guys, hold them accountable in overt ways that Nash might. The question is, with guys that are so explosive, like a KD, Kyrie, what's best for them? I don't think I know the answer. Do you try to go with Nash, who maybe brings a little bit of that Phil Jackson, kind of massage the locker room? style or do you bring in a guy that is a total culture changer that everybody immediately looks to him and Kyrie and KD can take a deep breath for once because maybe they think okay it's not on me now they can relax that guy and I think that uh, I'm not going to get too much into 
political, but I think Mark Jackson should have been considered. But from what I'm hearing, too many religious pushes to his players possibly, which I could see how that could possibly rub people the wrong way. I wouldn't want to be pushed something that I don't want. So I understand that. But I don't think that that should exclude you from being in the league. A guy like Mark Jackson in in Brooklyn, to me, would have been ideal. You got a guy who is a player's coach. He's still a player's coach. Mark Jackson loves his players. He built the Warriors, bro. Like, that whole – you were talking about culture. That's – I think Mark Jackson did that. I think that what Nash is about to get is another Steve Kerr opportunity. Here's another player that – I mean, at least Kerr got a championship. He, I would trust him a little more than Nash, but here's a guy who we know. He's a probably great guy. They seem like it. Point guards, you know, they play with great players. You got one that played with Jordan, another with Dirk. So you got guys, they come into the league and they get these teams that are just, if you don't win at least 45 games with the Nets, you should be fired immediately if they're healthy. And 45 is low. I'm just saying, like, I just think a guy like Mark Jackson is a great in-between. Ty Lue may be two, LeBron two, whatever. Like, okay, nah. Mark Jackson, great in-between guy. Jackson is so interesting. He's so polarizing. Some people love him and give him a lot of credit for the Warriors. Some people give him no credit. Like, he was the only thing holding them back. Like, he didn't build them up. He held them back. It's really interesting. You look at the offensive numbers, you would probably lean more towards held them back. You look at the culture, some of those things, you probably lean towards building them up. It's really interesting. I mean, in the case of Steve Kerr, he had a lot of experience all around the NBA before that job, and then obviously took that team to just a whole new level. Steve Nash doesn't really have the experience that Steve Kerr did just the name Steve, right? But it'll be interesting. I I don't mind the move because I think it's a swing for the fences, right? You bring in those free agents, you know the risk, almost like you might as well do the same thing with the coach. Like, let's swing for the fences, hope it works out. The Bucks tried to do the same thing this offseason. They brought in Drew Holiday and gave up a lot. Three first-round picks, albeit the first one this year's draft, only the 24th pick, not much to give up and two more future swaps, as well as giving up Bledsoe, George Hill. And then the key to me was the Bogdan deal fell through. So now if I'm the Bucks, I'm not sure how I feel about giving up all of that for Drew Holiday. How would you feel if you're a Bucks fan, all that pressure around Giannis bringing in Drew, is that enough? No, but if I'm Giannis, I'm asking you to make some moves. You're making moves for me. You got me a guy that a lot of teams want. A lot of teams wanted Holiday, man. So you went ahead and got him. I don't like their chances, and I don't think that it's going to do anything to keep Giannis. He got drafted by the Bucs. He, he appears to be a loyal guy, but, bro, like, do we have short memories with how things operate? If you don't say anything other than I want to be here, it's going to be controversy. So, yeah, I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be here. Until it's time for me to sign somewhere else, Hey, man, it was time for me to go. That's just what happens. That's business. I don't think Giannis is a franchise player. Well, let's step back. Just one, one step okay. back really quick because Thank you brought you. some really good points. First off, I would say, yes, 100%. There's a roadmap for how stars work out in small markets. They say, yes, I want to be here the whole time. Then basically 
that third contract comes up, and they're gone. Now, the one wrinkle is that Anthony Davis did it a little bit differently. He took the money and then said, I'm gone, right? So we've seen this roadmap work. I think if you're somebody who's really been staunch and believing that Giannis, no chance he's leaving, he's going to be loyal, I think you're putting your head in the sand a little bit. And then the next thing I think kind of takes us back to the Dak and Cowboys talk. Like Giannis, he's asking the Bucks to make some moves, right? They're showing some loyalty and giving up a lot for Drew Holiday. And I'm sure Giannis respects that. At the end of the day, when it comes up for his next contract, that's going to flip to business. And he's going to say, thank you for making those moves. I appreciate the trust, the loyalty. But now it's business time, and I'm not winning in Milwaukee, and I have to go. Maybe I'm stepping on your toes a little bit, but I definitely don't think that he is going to ever win a championship in Milwaukee. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. A lot of times these teams need to stop worrying about what's best for the players. And I know that sounds controversial, but I have I have a business degree, right? So if I was to use this knowledge that I've accumulated, and if I was in that position, I would then start changing the league into I would be making trades. I'd be trading players, even if they don't want to, if, like I'd have to just make a trade because now that I've seen what happened with the Clippers, we forget what happened with the Nets prior to them having this great success with these players they were uh capped out i think by boston their their picks were gone for <laughs> a long time so it's like you missed out on a lot of good players based off of you trying to bring in names to make a push when in reality the best interest was to get young players maybe one to two solid pieces and build around that so you, that way you have assets right now you're going to lose Giannis. I don't, I can't see him staying there. I completely agree with you. I just don't see how he's going to stay, especially not getting bogged on. I don't know that that would have been enough to put him as maybe. legitimate title contender. No, okay. Yeah, but no. No, but yeah. maybe. And now I just don't see that there's any way that he's coming back. We've already seen it. I agree with you that they need to move him. They won't now. Making that Drew Holiday, they've made their move. They're going to go down with the ship, and that ship will sink. I'm pretty convinced of it, just like we've seen with with all of these small market ships, you know? Unfortunately, so I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think these teams need to be a little bit smarter. Mentioned that Nets absolutely selling out for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett just exactly. destroyed their team for basically a decade. Right? Like, and that's what the Bucks. it's not to that degree, but they're in danger of doing if they continue to make all these desperate moves. I mean, there's no win, which is tough. Like, there's no win. You either trade your star and don't really get enough in return, or you go down with the ship and you get nothing. So no, I, there is I, a win. You, uh, you, trade the, you trade the star. I, I just mean in the moment. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, here's the example. Anthony Davis and the Lakers, right? A lot of people gave the Lakers crap for giving up too much in their estimation, right? My opinion is you almost can't give up too much, especially when you're talking about active players, not like a million future first-round picks, because you've got Anthony Davis paired with LeBron James. Your immediate title contenders 100% worth the risk. Obviously, it paid off for the Lakers. They win the championship, right? Did New Orleans win that trade? No. 
did they do better than letting Anthony Davis just walk? Of course. So it's finding that I think it's just tough for those small markets because then they start to feel like we can never win. All we can do is hit the lottery, get a top five player, and then just trade them in seven years. Well, is Dallas a small market in in the NBA? Weirdly, yes. Like, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. They get no free agents. So it will be interesting to see how things go down with Luca. But I will say they have a unique connection with European players. We've oh, seen yeah, it with absolutely. Dirt. So yeah. I think that relationship might keep Luca in Dallas for the long term. Plus, I think, to be quite frank, I think he's better than Giannis. Maybe not today but I think he will be, and particularly when it comes to the playoffs. You had mentioned everything slows down. That's where Giannis struggles. He is absolutely fantastic in transition. When the game slows down, he doesn't have much in the half court. He's not an old-school post player. He doesn't have those post moves. He has no jumper. It's just bully ball to the rim, and the game gets more physical. You don't quite get the same calls. Not to mention having Chris Middleton as your number two. I just don't think it's enough to get it done. But it's tough out here for these small market teams. We're already seeing some of these moves that look like they're going to crater the team for another couple of years. We see the Hornets pick up Gordon Hayward for four years, $120 million. Absolutely uh, crazy in my it, mind. I, I don't know about that one. See, a lot of people think that that's crazy, right? Why? I do. <laughs> uh, okay. Why? Why? Injury. That's the only reason. Injury. Okay. The guy basically hasn't been healthy in three years. Okay, he, and then what and, happens if he's injured, though? You're, well, your team sucks, and then you, I guess you naturally Who, What team sucks? Him. What team sucks? The Hornets. When have they been good? I get it. You got to take risks. I just wish they would take risks on different players. Now I understand. Who's going to go? I know. I know it's the market. <laughs> like, I know it's the same thing. Like, of course, they aren't going to get any legitimate – top free agent but it just seems at least in my opinion they just got rid of Nick Batum and I just worried did they really just replace him Gordon Hayward as a healthy player is much better than Batum yeah but if you tell me Gordon Hayward misses two complete seasons for the Hornets I would not be shocked at all I would be shocked if he misses two complete seasons we got to look at Gordon Hayward prior to the injury and a little bit after he made that Celtic scenes better when he came back, man. He was a, legit, a legitimate playmaker. He could shoot the ball, and he can get to the rim. Now, you just brought in LaMelo, you have Rozier, and now you have Gordon Hayward. You have something. That's what they're trying to get out of is a losing mentality. Like, we're always losers. No, you draft a guy that's going to bring you excitement. I'm going to watch the Hornets for LaMelo. I want to see... If he's going to be what I've been watching him since Chino, I want to see, can he be better than Lonzo? Because in reality, we made a mistake. We should have picked Tatum. That's what I mean by the feeling and business moves. The Lakers went UCLA. He's from Chino. We had to draft him because if he's great, it's kind of like, dang, we didn't, why didn't we get the guy? Da, 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 da. Tatum, bro. Be fair, it was Magic Johnson, right? Who I love him. Like, you can't talk badly about Magic Johnson, but I will for two seconds. <laughs> he obviously was extremely emotional and just kind of like 
in his feelings about the decisions that he made. And I don't mean like sad, mad, happy, like all over the place, but he, you know, he did it off of instinct, off of gut. And he saw just a smidge of himself in Lonzo and was like, I love the way he can pass the ball. He absolutely has to be the pick. I honestly, I liked the pick at the time for the Lakers. I thought Lonzo Ball would be a little bit better than he's been. He's proven to be a good player, not Tatum. Don't get me wrong. But I do love the LaMelo ball pick for the Hornets. Not necessarily because I think LaMelo will definitely be some great star, but just a swing for the fences. That's what Mm -hmm. I think these small market teams have to do. He's the player with probably the most potential and definitely most exciting. So I'm right there with you. I'll be tuning in to Hornets games. It will be exciting. I hope that Michael Jordan can turn into a good owner. It's been weird seeing him. I don't want to say he's one of the worst owners in the league, but yeah, like it's just weird. He's the owner of a franchise that seems to have had no hope for its entire existence. It's just kind of weird. I think it's weird in the basketball sense. I agree. But in the life sense, if somebody said, Hey man, the, the Hornets are available and I have the money, I'm buying. Even if they're bad, I'm taking the risk. I'm Jordan. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. Of course he's going to bet on himself. Now, one more team that I definitely feel like we have to touch on is the Phoenix Suns, another team that is always in the gutter. They made a big move, maybe not monumental, maybe not massive impact, but they made a big move, went out, got CP3, and brought in Crowder, a veteran from that Miami Heat team who got hot in the playoffs. Are the Suns, I don't even want to say title contenders, could they possibly make the Western Conference Finals? No, absolutely not. I agree with you. I'm thinking sixth, seventh seed is good for them. I think their ceiling could possibly be like, and this is me being like generous, third. I will say their ceiling could be third seed. And the reason why I say this is because with Clay Thompson being out, the Warriors were my get back to the top three, right? But now he's out. So you might get something like last. And really quick, I brought up this other point, how you how we were talking about Steve Kerr, right? And how he changed all of this. I understand that you lost pretty much all your players, but your team looked garbage. Your team looked like they didn't want to play. That your team looked like they weren't coached well to me. So I, I'm just looking at what Steve was able to do when he didn't have players, and then what Luke Walton was able to do when he was in Steve's position with healthy players. It got Walton the job. That'll definitely make you raise your eyebrows a lot. You know, it's been brought up once or twice. And to tell you the truth, I don't think we'll ever get the answer because the second Curry is gone, so is Curry. Oh, yeah. He's not sticking around. But the Suns... Booker is in a position that I think Zach Levine is in. Underrated, no, not enough credit. Do you think they're comparable players? Because at least in my mind, I'm taking Booker. Every single day and twice on Sunday. Like I'm Levine. Taking, I'm taking Zach. Oh, what? I'm taking Zach. Because you're going off of Booker. If All right. So we're going off there like one of the best games, right? Booker obviously had his, what, 70? To me, that's honestly almost a knock against Booker. I don't want to blame him too much, but just that culture in Phoenix. I absolutely hated seeing them party after a loss. Yeah, good point. Never. Yeah, it don't matter. I think Booker and Levine, same position. To me, they're great players. I like Levine a little more, but I think that uh, 
Booker is going to be gone. He's not going to stay in Phoenix. He's not staying in Phoenix. I think he's going to leave. I, I would love to see Booker on like Miami or Booker on like, I mean, obviously the Lakers, but Booker in Miami, he no, could play but he can definitely be that guy that's ball dominant for you. Jimmy has shown the ability to play big a little bit. So I love Booker right, in Miami, right. and I agree with you. He's not staying in Phoenix. This is, again, we've seen this story. We've right. seen it. <laughs> He's putting pressure on the organization to make moves. They make a desperate move to get an old veteran, even in a best-case scenario where maybe they do hit that four seed. I still see them going out in the second round. And I think if Booker's smart, he leaves. Again, if he makes the decision with his head and not his heart, I think he's gone. Absolutely. No chance. And I think that Zach Levine should leave. I'm shocked you don't like Zach. I'm probably a little too unfair on some of these guys. Like, and I, I characterize them as good players on a bad team. And what I mean by that is he's only good if he's on a bad team. Now to take that back one step, I mean, I don't even know if he could be the number two on a championship winning team. Actually, I'd say I feel very confident in that. I think he could be your number three. Now, I know you may disagree, but that's the kind of category I put him in. Booker, I'm holding out hope that he can be a number two. And to be frank, that's an extremely high standard, in my opinion. Right? Like, I, yeah, like if you could be a number two on a championship team, for most championship teams, that's a top ten player. Yeah, and arguably top five. Like, I don't mean like, oh, number two, there's 30 teams like top 60. I mean, right, right. You know what I mean? So, that is a different standard. Don't get me wrong. But Levine, I don't know. To be, he just kind of rubs me the wrong way, I think. (laughs) But that might just be Chicago. I mean, it's maybe it's tough to judge some of these guys when they're on such losing teams. And one more thing before I get you out of here, I know we've gone on for days. I tend to, no worries, yeah. But, the Clippers, not just to rag on them too much, but I think a lot of people have forgotten after this upcoming season, they do not have Kawhi inked. They do not have Paul George inked. Those guys have options, so they could come back for that third year, but they could also leave. How much pressure do you think the Clippers are in this season, specifically their front office and, more importantly, Balmer? I think Balmer is under pressure. And I say that because the Clippers franchise has sucked forever. They've never been like a legitimate title contender, like bona fide. Okay. We got to watch out for the Clippers. They've been like, okay, let's keep our eyes on them that they can get it together, but they've never been a bona fide team. So, but I think this new age crowd that forgot that the Clippers have been trash forever and you shouldn't even root for the Clippers. I think they just forgot. Maybe Kawhi stays. I, I can really only see Kawhi coming to the Lakers after LeBron. I don't see him leaving L.A. after going to Toronto and being in San Antonio, right? The pressure to me is on Steve Ballmer because you made a big mistake in uh, signing Paul George. Oh, well, you know what? It's probably you get him and then I sign. So mm, that's a tough one, man. That's It's kind of like you just did what you were supposed to do. Kawhi was coming off an MVP season in the finals. You kind of signed. I wanted him as a Laker. Like, I thought we would get him. I don't want him as my number one player, personally. Like, I don't want him to be the focal point of my team because he doesn't distribute the ball enough. I'd pick Joker over uh, Kawhi today, me personally. That's maybe a little bold for me, but I think he hit the nail on the head 
the Clippers were stuck almost in a good way, but now we're seeing in a bad way. They, they had to do what they did. They traded what they did for Paul George because it was, in all actuality, a trade for Paul George and Kawhi, right? And you can't just turn that down. I think Paul George has been absolutely exposed. I think you're also right. Kawhi's not leaving L.A., and I don't think he would join the Lakers at least until LeBron is gone. Paul George is the one that's on the hot seat, and he might opt in to that contract, but they're definitely going to be shipping him out if they have another failed season. Yeah, I agree. The leadership aspect, it's like you got to go to a team with a leader on it. Like, you know, even like Boston, I think they had, before they got rid of uh, Horford, or like, you know, a guy like that that's been a veteran that still is savvy in how he plays, you got to get something like that. Now, if Paul George is coming to the Lakers, you have that in LeBron. So it's he's Paul George would have probably had his best season in and out the playoffs if he was on the Lakers. I'll just say that. So I agree with you. I think that uh, Paul George is definitely going to be gone. Uh, it's kind of hard after you got you just lost Harrell. Lou Williams is kind of suspect defensively. And then you got Beverly. I will say I do like them bringing in Luke Kennard, even though he's got some injury issues. But I like that addition. I like bringing in Ibaka. To me, their biggest mistake, and this is the one that will probably doom them, they signed Marcus Morris to a four-year, $64 million deal. And I think after this year, people are going to realize how bad of a deal that is. It's going to become hard to move when they need to get flexible because I think they're going to need to get flexible after this year. Ballmer's going to be panicking. I mean, give him credit. He's an owner that's come in and just done everything he can to try to turn around an absolutely awful franchise, going to build a new stadium and everything. He's going to be in panic mode after they lose. There's not going to be a big market for Paul George. Marcus Morris is going to have a big contract that I don't believe is worth it and will be hard to move. As a Lakers fan, it won't hurt my feelings to see it, especially with everybody crowning the Clippers, the dang paper clips. But let's hope for another Lakers back-to-back. We've got to see a three-peat in our lifetime as well as a back-to-back championship. So let's hope that we can see another one. I appreciate your time, Kai. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Let everybody know where they can check you out at. Uh, you can check me out at Complicated Kai on Instagram, preferably. Um, that's where most of my work is. Um, I am a video editor. So if you need a promo, a music video, a vlog, any type of video where it requires some edits, I am the guy. Um, I have a price list on my page, and I come highly recommended. Yeah, check me out, Complicated Kai. Uh, man, Brad, I, I really appreciate you bringing me on, man. Um, you got to get me back on because there were some things we didn't touch on we need to touch on. And I really like how you do your show, man. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for coming on. We've somehow still got way more to talk about. I feel like even right. when we started the show, and even though we talked for forever, we could go like this for days. I've also just got to say, y'all have to check out Complicated Kai. Check out his work. Don't just take my word. Don't just take his word. Check out his work. You'll be impressed. So definitely give him a look. Again, I appreciate your time. We're going to do this again. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man.
Thank you for listening to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore tags. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. I've got to thank Complicated Kai again for coming on the show, sharing his knowledge. Y'all make sure to check his stuff out. He created that video for me that you guys saw on social media. Great stuff as well as the intro music for my podcast. So shout out to him. As you guys know, more great content is coming. 